Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. Well, let's get started. <coughs> I'm going to be out of the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So we're going to start off there. Let's read really quick. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can we pray real quick? Father, (coughs) we thank you, Lord, for this time. God, we thank you for this text, Lord, that we're going to examine and and unpack this morning. God, I pray, Lord, just uh, your anointing, Lord, over my words. I pray, God, that I clearly communicate, Lord, this message and this theme, God, that I believe that you've placed on, on this church's heart for this specific time. And, Lord, we just give you complete reign over this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. So typically, the the way I like to preach is just verse by verse, like unpacking everything that's in there. So we're going to start with verse 42 real quick. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, it's important to remember that in the book of Acts, we're studying about the early church, right? And so like if if we want to model something, like model a healthy community, model a healthy church, we want to look to the book of Acts, right? And so We're looking at this verse, and so it's important to remember that this text and all of the book of Acts is surrounded by different characteristics, different values uh, that we think are essential for a church, all right? So we take a look at breaking bread and the prayer. So they're talking about, in this context, communion. So they're talking about, uh, you know, participating in these wonderful ordinances together. But even to take it a step further, like we're going to read later on in these verses that they didn't, not breaking of bread just here, like at the church as an ordinance, but they shared meals together as a church. Now, I know that sounds like really a silly thing to say that, like, to model a healthy church is to eat together. But it really is, like, a healthy church characteristic to share meals together, to share meals in your home. Now, another thing we, we really need to remember is that the apostles learned these characteristics from the spending time with Jesus. These are things that Jesus did, was spending time eating meals with his followers. So... <coughs> Towards the beginning of this verse, and we're going to address it more in this next one, but it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so we learn a little bit more about this in verse 43. It says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So, I I mean, I know this this church has been around for a while, you know, I, I praise God that you guys are here. But maybe you guys have had experiences with other churches, other ministries where you sometimes feel like you're following a man and not so much following another follower of God. Does that make sense? And what's fantastic is that the Bible tells us, you know, why did they devote themselves to these men? Why did they submit to their authority? Why did they listen to their teaching? Their teaching excuse me. It says, and many wonders and signs were being done through them. The reason they followed these men is because they had fruit behind their work. Does that make sense? So if you're, like, finding yourself, like, man, like, I, I'm, I'm a little at unrest, or, or maybe you've been in a church where you're, like, man, I, I've seen the false teaching, which often led to false living. Is that right? And so these men, they found worthy people 
to follow because of the fruit in their life. They saw miracles. They saw uh, signs and wonders that were being done through them. <coughs> so you want to see the fruit of your leaders working. And can I tell you something? Your leader has awesome fruit. Your leader has awesome fruit. And so I want to share this little uh, example with you guys because when I was thinking about the table, one of the things that uh, I'm going to talk about, different things that have to do with the table. But when I have people at my home, like, I don't know, it feels weird to eat, like, on the couch, right? <laughs> it feels weird to spend time on the couch. So we usually like to do it at the table. It's a nice, cool, like, hipster wooden table. I love it. And one of the things that happens there is the sharing of wisdom, right? The sharing of, of stories, of, of impartations, things like that. And so I want, to, I want you guys to imagine with me, right? So I haven't done this little story before, so I hope, hope it goes well. But imagine for a moment, like, we'll ignore the science fiction that could possibly have this happen. But imagine you became, in a moment, like another person. And, and you're, you're walking in this room, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm Jimi Hendrix. You're like, I'm, I'm Jimi Hendrix. Like, how, again, ignore the science fiction that would make it possible, but you're like, man, I'm, I'm Jimi Hendrix. And so you walk out of this restroom, and <clears throat> somebody comes and grabs you, and they're like, you're supposed to go on in a few minutes. And, and you go onto the stage, and, and you kind of peek behind the, or you peek behind the curtain to see what the stage is, and you're at Woodstock. And you're like, but it's still you just in Jimi Hendrix's body. So you're like, how am I supposed to go out there and do this? Like, I know historically what happens at this concert. Like, I know the Star Spangled Banner gets played. Like, I know this great performance happens. But, I, like, how am I supposed to do this? Because I'm not actually him. And so you go out, and they give you the guitar, and, and thousands and thousands of people are watching you, getting ready to perform. And so what do you do? You think to yourself, all right, well, what would Jimi Hendrix do? Well, if, if I was Jimi Hendrix, how would I play? And you start to play, and you start to suck, and you start to be terrible. Because as much as we could think to ourselves, man, if I was, if I was Jimi Hendrix, this is, what I, this is what I would do. Every single day, the things that Jimi Hendrix done leading up to that moment are things that you didn't do. And so sometimes we can find ourselves at a church and we're like, man, I really, I see the fruit of that, lead, of that leader. I see myself, you know, wanting to have a ministry like theirs, but we're not willing to sit down and have them speak into our lives and tell us every single step that they did to get there. Does that make sense? So one of the important things that's going to happen as a ta at a table is receiving wisdom from your leader, receiving wisdom and insight. Like, hey, what did you do to get here? Because if I can emulate it even just a little bit, that is what I want. And again, it comes from seeing the fruit of your leader's life. Amen? Amen. Verse 44, it says, <coughs> again, part of my cough, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So one of the things we see in this verse is the unity that, that, uh, that we have as believers, right? Because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3 says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a, mather, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I love that phrase, all things in common. That all things in common. Because can I tell you something? Not all of us have things in common, right? Like, <clears throat> if, we, if we think about this for a second, how many of you have ever felt, like, really uncomfortable hanging out with somebody who is not like you? Like, my, like my dad, when I was, like, a, a Bible study leader, my, my dad was my pastor for, for many years. <coughs> and when I was a Bible study leader, I don't know why, but the only people who wanted to come to my Bible study were cholos. 
if you guys don't know what a cholo is, I'm just kidding. Um, we had this friend one time who, uh, who thought that, she got confused and she thought that cholos were churros. And so it was just all this confusion all the time. But my dad would be like, hey, you need to spend time with these guys. And I'm like, I don't know what to talk to them about. Like, I, like, I've never done drugs. Like, I've never, like, uh, these, and these guys were, were guys who, uh, who were uh, former addicts, who were former gang members. And I was like, I don't know what to talk to these guys about. Like, I have nothing in common with them. And then I started to look at Jesus' disciples. We have Peter and John, who were fishermen. We have Matthew, who was a tax collector, a sleazy tax collector at that. We have Luke, who was a physician. And what we don't see in the Bible is Luke telling Jesus, well, I can't hang out with Peter and John because they're blue-collar workers and I'm a white-collar worker. Like, I can't hang out with these guys because I'm an educated man. And these people are fishermen. We don't see that, right? Because despite our differences, despite the things that we've done in our life or wherever we, whatever we've done to get to the point where we are, we have a Holy Spirit that unites us no matter what those differences are. Does that make sense? So if you've ever thought, to, thought that to yourself, like, hey, I, I don't know what I'm going to talk to this person about. Like, how am I going to bring this person over to my home and, and enjoy a meal with them? And we don't read the same books and we don't watch the same movies. Like, it doesn't matter. It's a petty difference because there's a Holy Spirit that unites us. All right. <coughs> Verse 45. It says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What a radical thought, right? Like selling everything you have, giving it to people who are in need. When we're united in the spirit, we, we become sensitive to the physical needs of the people in our community. It's not just about us. Do you agree? So I have this, I have this story that, that I want to share with you guys. I, there's going to be a lot of anecdotes in this story or in this sermon. I try not to, but there's just too many. So me and my brother one time, <coughs> I'm, I'm not very good at, social interactions or like social like picking up on social cues especially when somebody is like trying to hustle me I'm like not very good at it at all so me and my brother we we were driving one day and we were getting wiener schnitzel you guys have wiener schnitzel out here right I don't know well it's, it's quality ingredients at a fair price like it's just they're chili there's like chili dogs and things like that <coughs> and so we go up to get wiener schnitzel we're in California they don't have it in Colorado so that's why I always get it when I'm there and and we go and there's this lady outside and she's like, hey, she's like, I, she's like, I don't have my wallet. Like, I really want to, like, buy some food for my kid. She had her son there. And do you remember this? It was, like, the worst day of my life. So she was like, hey, I really want to pay for, for this, uh, for my son, but I, I don't have my wallet. She didn't say, like, hey, like, I can't afford it. It was really just, like, I don't have my wallet and he needs some food. And so <coughs> I was like, okay. So we go in and we order first. And I order, like, a chili cheese dog and a chili cheese burger. Now, the unwritten law of society is if somebody is buying you food, you match the price of what they're paying or lower. Like, you wait until, like, they order, and if they ordered $7 worth of items, you order $7 worth of items. You don't go more than that. And so I order, and the lady goes up, and she starts ordering, like, all of the things that I wish I could order, but, but I couldn't afford. And so and what really upset me is she had good taste. Like, like, she was, like the stuff she was getting was just great. So she was getting the ones with, like, bacon on them. She was getting, like, the chili cheese fries with ranch and green onions. And then finally, I think the bill was getting to be, like, $25. And I was like, what the heck? <coughs> and, so, and so finally she looks up, and she's like, I'll take this ice cream. And then there's, like, a sundae, like a, what, a little hanging poster of a sundae. And so I'm like, all right, I got to draw the line somewhere. And so I walk up, and I was like, hey, I'm not going to pay for your ice cream. Like, just not rude, but I was just like, hey, I'm not going to pay for your ice cream. And it's done. So I give him my card, 
I paid and she was blessed. Like she, she just like had a, had a great meal. Her, I don't even know if she ordered her kid food, honestly. Like I think she just ordered food for herself. And <coughs> I was so upset because I felt like somebody took advantage of me. And I remember like that whole week, I was telling everybody that story. It didn't matter if they, if they even asked like what had happened to me. I was just sharing with everybody that story. And, and I get to my friend Omar and I'm like, dude, you will not believe what happened to me at Wiener Sitzel. So I tell him the story. I'm like, can you believe that? Like that this person took advantage of me and like used her son to do it. And he, he, put, he was laughing and he put his, uh, his hand on my shoulder. He's like, Donnie, was she blessed? I was like, yeah, she was blessed, but like at my expense. And, and I, I can't remember <coughs> exactly the way he said it, but it was something along, something along the lines of no one could take advantage of you if you're always willing to serve. And we're no longer friends. But, <laughs> um, but he told me that, and it still like resonates with me to this day because once I like postured my heart, like really? I was like, man, it, it doesn't matter if they were, it doesn't matter what their motives were. I was in a position to live for the benefit of somebody else. And isn't that a purpose of our life, to live for the benefit of other people? It doesn't matter if their motives might be not so right. It doesn't matter if they might be trying to take advantage of us. Here in the Bible, we see that these disciples were, were selling their possessions, giving everything they had to those who, would have, to, to those who had need. Man, so like, any like if you're in that position where you're like, man, this, this person just keeps on asking me for money, and I just keep giving it to them, you know what I've learned is to not loan people money. I just give gifts. Right, like, because it, it it protects my heart from bitterness. It protects my heart from getting upset at those people if they never pay me back. I'm just like, you know what? Here you go. Just be blessed. Maybe God is calling us where we're in that situation where, like, man, we, we need to be sensitive to the needs of the people in our community, and honestly, be sensitive to the needs of those who aren't in your community. <coughs> Verse 46, it says, "And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes." They received their food, excuse me, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So I love this thought of, de- of attending the temple together, like going to church. Like sometimes people think that you can live in a community but be apart from that community. Like, man, I- I'm part of this, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm not actually physically there. Like, but I'll pray, I'll pray for the church. Or, man, I'm, I'm going to miss this Sunday because of whatever reason. Like when we look at the early church, not only were they spending time together, eating and, and fellowshipping, but they showed up to their services together. They were at the church, this is day by day, and breaking bread in their homes. Man, when's the last time you invited somebody over to your home, cooked them a good meal? Maybe you have recently. I'm not like making a generalization that, that maybe you don't. But when's the last time you've invited somebody over who doesn't have anything in common with you just to share the love of Christ? Is that making sense? Is this resonating with you? Verse 47, it says, uh, I'll read the whole thing together because it it breaks up the verse. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is fantastic because if this is the model, this is the the consequence. I mean, I say consequence in in a good way, just as a result. When we live this way, when we live just verse by verse, living for the benefit of others, attending the church together, all of these things, we end up having favor with one another, and the Lord adds day by day the number of those being saved. Sometimes we think, you know, like, like, I'm, like I'm all about, like, coming up with, 
cool series names. I, I, like, to, I like to be relevant and all of those things. But ultimately, what's going to add to the number of our church? What's going to add to our converts, right? C.S. Lewis has this really fantastic quote that says, you know, our converts mean nothing. Because if you can be converted by a man, you can be unconverted by a man. Which means that we want God to be the one who does the changing, right? Because the work that he starts, he's faithful to complete, right? So sometimes, you know, and I have to, I have to guard my heart of, something, of things like this where I'm like, man, I know if I do this, my church would grow. And I know if I, if I did this, if I was just a little bit, I'm not very hip, you guys, but like if I was a little bit more hip, I was, if I was a little bit more persuasive. But the problem with persuasion is that as soon as somebody encounters somebody else who's more persuasive, they're going to change you to the opposite side. They can convince you of anything if they're a smoother talker than I am. Does that make sense? But when we live like this, when this is the model, when this is the thing that we aspire to, the Lord adds day by day the number of those who are being saved. Does that make sense? We need to be a community with open arms, but a community that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how he's going to bring those people to us. Our church, we have a, I'm a big fan of slogans. Like, you know, and so our church has a slogan, and it's called uh, Bad Vibes Welcome. And how we arrived at that is, is, you know, you guys maybe seen, like, shirts or mugs that say, like, good vibes only. And in no way be disrespected that I'm, I'm saying anything against you if you have one of those, like, sitting at home. But I remember I, I always see those mugs, and Corey and I, we just, we hate them. Like, honestly, like, they, they kind of kind of make me sick. <laughs> but... Like, I don't like that thought because I'm not sure that the Lord has ever drawn anyone unto himself who had good vibes, right? And I think about my life, you know, I was, I was like 15, 16 years old, just like, if you guys, like, Mike knew me when I was 15, 16, and I was just the worst. And he was right, like, we didn't start off as friends, but it's because I was jealous. He embodies everything that I wish that I was, just like a drummer, a good speaker, like, plays basketball, all of the things, like, I wish I could do, like, he does. And so I, I was just jealous, like, as a young teenager. But I remember being a 15-, 16-year-old kid at, like, at a youth conference. <coughs> Did anybody ever go to youth conferences or youth camps, things like that? Uh, yeah, just any young Christians? <laughs> and so I remember, like, when I was around 15 or 16, I, I, I hated the church. I hated going. I was sitting in the, I was, like, hiding in the back of, like, the hotel, smoking cigarettes, like, just thinking how much I didn't want to be at that service, how much I thought that the, the church was phony, how much I thought that, like, none of these people cared about me. And that, that person had a lot of bad vibes. And there was only a handful of people who would be, like, d despite the fact that maybe I wasn't very pleasant to, like, be around, there was a handful of people who would, like, kind of bring me with them while they were hanging out. And one of them was Mike. One of them was Mike. The other one was Marcel. And the other one was a guy named Lenny. But he just, he just has a lot of children, <laughs> like, in, in his life. But these two men, and I'll say specifically Mike, like, when I had bad vibes, when there was nothing really pleasant about me to be around, they were like, you know what, I'm going to bring this guy in. I'm going to have this person hang out with me anyway. Because even though I, I, it doesn't seem like I believe in it, even though I have bad vibes, you still belong here. There's still a place for you. In, at this table. There's still a place for you in my car. I'm still going to give you rides to places. <coughs> and so we have that slogan, bad vibes welcome at our church. Because it doesn't matter your walk of life. It doesn't matter if you're bitter or resentful. It doesn't matter if you've been hurt by the church. 
It doesn't matter if you've served manipulative leaders. There's a place, for, and, and you're calloused, your heart is a little hardened to the church. It doesn't matter. There's still a place for you at our table. There's still a seat for you. There's a, <coughs> there's a song, uh, I, I was talking to uh, Justin about it this morning. Uh, so me and, my, me and my buddy from Colorado, uh, if I didn't mention, we're from Colorado. Um, uh, his name is John John. We were talking about how, like, in the past few months, we've become really passionate about liturgy. And so liturgy is just, for those of you who don't know, it's, a, it's just like a, a really formal, like, order of worship. You'll see it a lot more in, like, you know, like, every, every church generally has a liturgy, the, the order of how we go. I appreciate that Mike spent some time, you know, that the Holy Spirit is working, right? And so, like, it doesn't matter what, what the next thing is. We're still going to let the Holy Spirit do his work. And it doesn't matter if everything is delayed. But generally, there's, like, there's a process to a worship service. And you'll see, like, really formal, beautifully printed, like, liturgies in, like, Orthodox churches or Anglican churches. Like, they're, they're really beautiful. And it's just the order of the service. And we're talking about liturgy in our own lives, like, processes that we, we adhere to. And so I was telling him, I was telling Justin this morning, every Sunday I listen to this Johnny Cash song. And it's called Sunday Morning Coming Down. Have you, have you heard it? Has anybody heard it? Anybody any Johnny Cash fans? So I listen to this song. You've heard it? Okay. It's good, right? And so <laughs> I listen to this song by Johnny Cash, and it's from his point of view or a character that he's writing about. And the song, he's starting, he says, you know, he, he wakes up, and there, there's no way to hold his head that doesn't hurt. And he, he smoked and drank the whole night before, and the, he says, the, the beer I had for breakfast was good, so I had one more for dessert. And he says, he, he, he finds, he goes through his clothes, and he finds his cleanest dirty shirt. And, and he, he hits the streets. And he starts to smell like, like fried chicken cooking. And he knows that it's Sunday morning fried chicken. And he says, it, it's so crazy, he says, he, he starts to think about something that he knows that he used to have, but he's lost along the way at some time. And you, you start to get the impression that it's his faith. And he says that there's something about a Sunday that makes you feel alone. Like, and I listen to this, I listen to this song every Sunday because... I could hear the loneliness in the lyrics, and I could see a person like this walking down the street, and they have no hope. And I think to myself, man, that, that's some bad vibes right there. Like, the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. Like, and I think about this guy who has zero hope, and I think about, if I was to encounter this man, what, do, what would I say to him? And all I could say is that I have good news. I have good news. That it, it doesn't matter what happened in your life for you to arrive at this point where on a Sunday morning, even the song, it goes on to say, like, there's nothing short of dying like that can make a person feel this alone on a Sunday morning. And the fact is there's people all around Huddo who feel that way, who feel like Sunday to them isn't the Lord's Day. Sunday for them isn't a day where they rejoice with their friends, where they... Where they <coughs> where they spend time Sabbathing, where they, where they hear the word of God. Sunday to them is just a day that reminds them of that pastor that hurt them. Sunday to them reminds them of the church that started gossiping about them behind their back and caused them to leave the church. Sunday morning to them represents loneliness. It represents a lack of hope. And so this morning, God is positioning us to help those people with bad vibes. That if we encounter somebody like this, tell them, you know what? I have good news. There's a seat for you here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter 
your life experiences, there's a place for you at this table. There's a place for you in our community. Is that making sense to you? (coughs) So my challenge for us this morning is to live for the benefit of others. Welcome people to your table, even if you're uncomfortable. Again, if you look at Jesus' disciples, man, they have nothing in common. What does Luke, a physician, have, have anything in common with a fisherman? And yet you don't see them grumbling. You see them grumbling about, like, which of them is the greatest. <laughs> you see them do that. They weren't the best. <laughs> but you don't see them say, I can't, you know, Jesus, I, I can't hang out with this person. I just, he smells like sardines. And I'm an, edu- and I'm an educated man. Right? We don't see that. So be hospitable, even when you don't want to. The, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I preached this uh, Sunday message. I don't know if, how many, like, people here have preached messages. And, like, as you're, like, I like to tell my wife my sermon notes, like, right as I'm, <coughs> as I'm, like, preparing. And I told her this, like, it was a few weeks ago. And she was like, what are you preaching about? And I was like, I think hospitality. And then, and then she, like, came down. Our kids are, like, upstairs, like, in the, in, the, uh, in, in one of the bedrooms hanging out, like, learning about Jesus. And she comes down, like, every once in a while throughout the sermon. And after, she's like, hey, she's like, better look next Sunday, right? I was like, what? <laughs> she doesn't say it exactly like that. But essentially, she's like, hey, she's like, they can't all be great. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's like so discouraging. But I'm still passionate about the message that I preached. But if you read, if you read the book of Third John, like, I encourage you, over the next few weeks, or no, maybe just the next week, like, read Third John every day. It's, it's like this big. It'll take you five minutes. The, if you have a Bible with a commentary, the commentary is longer than the actual book. But it's super quick. And what fascinates me, and I've always been fascinated by, like, the, the canonicity of our Bible. Like, how these books got to be in this, in, in this collected volume, right? Because there's a lot of books. There's, like, this first Clement. Like, there's, like, that book is historically accurate. Like, every single person who reviewed that book was like, oh, man, this is... This is great, like all this stuff actually happened, but it wasn't considered inspired, so it didn't make it in the Bible. We have some books, like, and I, I should preface, or I should pause and say, like, what you have is reliable. Like, don't worry, like, we believe the Holy Spirit preserved and protected the books that we have. But you have, like, guys like Martin Luther, who is the, the, the founder of the Protestant Reformation, and he called the book of James an epistle of straw. He said that it had no evangelical meaning that he he compared it to straw like you pick up the book of James and it was worthless now he later repented and and said that he was wrong but it fascinates me the books that make it into the Bible and you and it fascinates me that there's a book like third John in in the entire Bible that we have that is purely dedicated to being hospitable to people third John or third John John is writing to a a guy named Gaius and he's telling him about he's like man I, I commend you for bringing people into your home. He's like, I commend you for using your resources for the benefit of others. And then he, he talks of this leader in the church named Diotrephus. And Diotrephus doesn't want to host any traveling missionaries. And Diotrephus doesn't want to allow people into the church who are other preachers, probably because he's intimidated. But what's crazy, <coughs> I apologize, is that there's this entire book of the Bible just reminding us to be hospitable to people, to bring people into our homes. And what's fascinating is the, the, the book closes, or the letter closes, and he says that when we do this, we become fellow workers in the truth. And so sometimes, like, maybe you don't feel like you're doing everything that you can do for God, but not realizing that you become a fellow worker in the kingdom, you become a fellow servant 
by being hospitable to people, by bringing people into your home. Is this making sense with you guys? Amen. If I can just have every head bowed. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.